Father, thank you uh, that we get to come and gather in your name. Thankful for the body of Christ. Thankful for those who you have chosen to gather. God, they could have stayed at home. They could have done something else. But Lord, tonight we've chosen to gather to celebrate and glorify your son, Jesus. Not just your son, just the birth of what he came to do. And so tonight, Father, I pray as your word is declared, as your word is spoken, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would pierce the hearts of your people in such a way that we would all be transformed. Those that who would know you already, God, would just continue to grow in their faith and understanding. And for those, Father, who don't know, may they come to know you. May they come to know your love and your grace. And Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity in our land and our giving, Father. We come and just obedient to you, thankful for all that you've done for us. Jesus, we cannot wait for 2023. We expect greater and better things, uh, Lord, continuing uh, to advance your kingdom. So we just trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that couple of those announcements. Well, I want to start off, uh, how many of you guys know what this is? You know what this is? Credit card? How many of you guys have used these over the past couple of weeks? Anybody? And, uh, or maybe just your phone now, right? But I'm sure these are being swiped like crazy over the past few weeks or months or typed in on the internet. How many of you guys did your shopping online? Just curious. How many online shoppers? Okay. And so, um, so yeah, so it just was uh, a pivotal week, obviously, for having credit cards. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually, yeah, just about two weeks ago or so, I lost one of these. How many of you ever lost one of these? And, um, yeah, just not good. And so I misplaced it. And here's the, the bad part. It was the church credit card. And so, yeah, talk about the, yeah, I know. And uh, so anyways, was talking with our staff. We couldn't find it. It was just for, you know, about a day. So it wasn't too long, but long enough that you lose a couple extra hair and, you know, everything. But I uh, was talking with our staff trying to find it. And, and I was kind of trying to trace steps. So anyways, a couple of hours go by, we get on the internet, make sure that there was no transactions or it wasn't stolen, because I knew that I've only been two places, you know, it's either here or it's there, and so searched the offices, couldn't find it, thought, man, it's the only other place it could be is in my house, but didn't, didn't search for it, and so anyways, I go to this process of searching for this credit card, and uh, here's what I did not do when I searched for the credit card. I never once thought, it's okay. I've got three others in my wallet. It's fine, you know. Um, and if you lose a credit card or something like that, you never think to yourself, well, that's fine, you know. I mean, I've got three others. Who cares about that one? You, you go, you investigate. You're going to go on a mission trying to find that credit card. And so we did. So I go back uh, into the house, and uh, it's always the last place you look, right? And so all of a sudden kind of popped in my mind, I bet it's in my pants pocket. I bet I put it in my pocket, and sure enough, Go in the closet where I had my pants hanging and put my hand in the pocket. I'm like, sure enough, there it is. And uh, so I was thinking about that. And in tonight's talk and what I felt like the Lord, I, I came with really one question tonight. And there's somewhere, I'm, and there's a reason why I tell you that story. And um, because a couple of months ago, as I was preparing for tonight, you know, Christmas service, it's a bigger service, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's more important, I guess, for a lot of people because they show up Christmas and, you know, all of that. And so I just thought, Lord, what do you want to say to the people? And I kept getting just really one kind of question, one, one theme. And it's really centered around this question here. And it's the real reason why I believe the Lord's led you here tonight. And for some of you, this question I think is going to resonate. And it's the question, what's been lost? It's the question, just what's been lost? A couple of weeks ago, we had, about a month ago, we had a leader meeting. 
And I called all some of our leaders and volunteer leaders into our church office. We had a night and just prayer together. And I asked them the same question. And at the end of the night, you know, there was tears. There was God had moved in a unique and special way. And there was just this idea of what's been lost. And it kept kind of resonating in me. And it's been in me all the way until today. Just excited to just see what the Lord does with this question for you, what's been lost. But here's why I asked the question, what's been lost, and this is what I want you to consider. In Luke chapter 15, it's one of the most famous Bible stories in all of Scripture. It's what even people who don't show up to church a lot, you've probably heard about the prodigal son, or you've, you've heard Luke 15 told multiple times. In Luke chapter 15, a guy named Luke, who's a doctor, records for us three stories that Jesus shares. And he begins with the first story. And some of you have probably heard it about these sheep and this shepherd. And the guy has 100 sheep and he loses one. So he's got 99, he loses one. Does he not leave the one to go, you know, does he not leave the 99 to go find it? Well, for us, most of us don't have sheep. You know, most of us probably don't. And, but all of us have credit cards or debit cards. That's why I started off with that, because we can relate to that. Just because you have, you know, five credit cards, and if you lose one, doesn't mean you don't go searching for the one. You go search for the one until you find it. Well, in their context, sheep are a commodity. It's a, it's a, it's a way of wealth. It's a way of provision. And so it's very much the same thing. And so for them, if you have 99 sheep and you lose one, that one is valuable. You're going to go search for it. And that's how Jesus starts off these stories. And you get three unique stories in the book of, uh, the book of Luke 15, but they're all really one theme. And so he, he tells that story. Then he goes and tells another story. And it's a story about a woman. He tells a story about a woman who's in a house and she's lost a coin. Well, there's a lot of biblical scholars who think that the coin she lost would have been a coin from a crown that was weared on her head. She, she would, a woman, as they're entering into marriage, maybe they would have these valuable coins on their head. In our context, it would be symbolic if you're a lady in the room and you wear multiple rings and you lost a diamond out of your wedding ring, let's say, or something, you know, but you had the other rings. You wouldn't say, well, I've got a couple of other rings, that's okay. And so the woman who loses her coin, it's this valuable coin, same context. So she's going to search for the coin. And then you go to the third story, the prodigal son. How many of you have heard of the prodigal son? Just a show of hands, you've heard it. Yep, you, most of you probably heard it or at least something about it. So Jesus starts to tell the story about the prodigal son who's now lost. And, of course, the father waits on the doorstep for the son to return. He goes out to Vegas, spends all of his money, finally returns home. The father embraces him, gives him a hug and a kiss, and everybody's happy. That kind of, except for the older brother. But that's where th these stories come in. But here's what I want to anchor into. And there's a reason why I didn't want to unpack and didn't ask you to bring the Bible. And I'm going to show you one verse tonight. But, but it's, I want you to follow me on this track. Jesus tells these three stories, but tonight I don't want to focus so much on the first and I don't want to focus on the last. I want to focus on the middle story, the second one. The one about the woman in the house who searches for these lost coins. If you look at the first story in Luke, follow me on this. If you look at the first story in Luke, you see the shepherd and the sheep, they're outside of the house. If you look at the third story, it's about a son who leaves the house. He's outside of the house, then he returns to the house. But when he's lost, he's on the outside. The first story, the sheep are on the outside. See, you have three stories, two are lost on the outside. In Christian vernacular, if you, if you go around church people, Christian people, we have our own Christian language. It's called Christianese. Have you heard that before? You know, it's like your own language. 
And it's the word lost, right? You, you hear this in church world, oh, they're lost. Oh, when you get lost, people lost. Oh, they're lost. And the common reference there is that if somebody is lost, they're on the outside. Follow me on this. So important that you hear this. What's interesting to me is in the story that Jesus shares, the three stories, two are lost on the outside. So there's some degree of being lost on the outside. But the middle story, the woman who loses the coin, she loses the coin in the house. You see, my credit card was lost. I didn't know where it was, but it was lost in the house. And the woman is searching for this coin in the house. And as I read that and meditated on that, I felt like the Lord just revealed to me, even reminded me, this key truth that you can be in the house and still be lost. That you can show up to a church environment, you can put yourself in the house of God and still be lost. And a lot of times there's a lot of references in our culture again that lost people are on the outside. I've come to tell you tonight, I don't think that's entirely true. That's only a partial truth. What's really true? There's a lot of lost people who are in the house of God. And the truth is, just because you're in the house of God doesn't mean you're found. There's a lot of people who show up to a church in a house of God tonight. Churches will be packed, packed to the limit. And you have a lot of lost people sitting in the house of God. They're home, but they're lost. And so I, I just want to go back to the question for you. If we put it back on the screen, what's been lost? And this is where I feel like the Lord led me to, to tell you tonight. Really felt like the Holy Spirit put this on my heart to ask you. If the Father was sitting with you, and I just had this image of a table and a chair. That's why I have this up here. I don't have any notes. I'm not preaching. With, so I, I just wanted to get you this. I felt like the Lord just said, just grab a table and chair and just show this to them. So this is the picture I felt like he wanted me to share with you. I'm just grabbing my phone out. If he was sitting at a table with you and he were to turn to you and just say, what's been lost this year? And so I want to just camp out on that for just a moment. All seriousness, what's been lost? Maybe 2022, your faith has been lost. You say, what's faith? Let's talk about what faith is. Faith is ultimately leads to trust, confidence, full assurance that God is exactly who he said he is, that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, the Son of Man, the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Savior of the world, the light of the world, that what Jesus said is true. And every time you read through the gospel, you read through the letter of Matthew, you read through the letter of Mark, you read through John, you know, you read through these stories and the accounts of the gospels and Jesus' life, that everything that Jesus said is true. Maybe that's been lost and that's an in question. Maybe that's, you've been lost in that going, I don't know for the past 10 years if I've found that to be true. And Jesus would turn to you tonight and say, what's been lost? Has your faith been lost? Or maybe you had it at one point. Maybe it's a marriage thing. And I just thought about the word passion. You know, where you're in marriage, you know that, and it's like year one, and it's like, oh, fireworks, man, this is awesome. Marriage is going to be great. You know, and then the first child comes. You're like, you know, this is pretty good. Then the second child, and if you're like me, four children, you're like, man, I don't even see you. We're just high-fiving each other. Are you doing good? Cool, awesome. I'll call you later. See you at 10, you know, and then you're just asleep, lights out. 
But it's easy in life with, you know, just mortgages, kids, sports, all the things that go on. You lose passion. You lose zeal. And I have counseled and met with many families over 16 years of ministry. And I can tell you so, so many times people use this language. Feel like we're falling out of love. Feel like I've lost something. Feel like we don't have that, what we used to have. What's been lost? Maybe it's zeal or passion towards your spouse. So maybe it's not faith. Maybe it's not a marriage thing. Maybe it's just a relational thing, though. Maybe it's with the friendship. Maybe it's a family thing where there's just, you know, there's family relationships, dynamics that have been lost, a relationship with the brother or sister. I even thought about this. For some of you, this is real, and it's going to push on something that's real, though, and, and I get it. But maybe for some of you, it's a loved one you lost. And this is going to be the first Christmas where it's like, this is a little hard to swallow because they're not going to be at the table. And so some of that, not just losing a loved one, but losing a loved one has challenged you to maybe lose hope. How am I going to continue without him or without her? How's this going to pan or play out? And so for some of you, it's like, ah, I've lost something there. I've lost a special person, and now I don't know how I'm going to function. I don't know how I'm going to continue like this, or how am I going to get through the next five, ten years without that individual around. And so it's a question of lots of, man, what's been lost? What about purpose? Maybe for some of you, it's a purpose that's been lost. You felt like at some point in your life, you were living, going down a certain path, and things were working out really well. You had direction. You had vision. You felt like you knew where you were headed. But all of a sudden, speed bumps come, hurdles come, things start to redirect. And now you'd sit here tonight, and if we were having a one-on-one conversation, you were sitting down with Jesus at a table, you'd say, honestly, I'm not sure why I'm here. I feel like I'm going through motions, checking off boxes. There's another word that was really strong impressed upon me, and it was the word dream. A dream's been lost. You know, it's like, you know, I had a dream, and, and, and I'm not talking about just your dream of, like, retiring when you're 25, okay? I know that's a dream for many of you, but, uh, but I'm not talking about your dream. I'm talking about a dream that maybe somebody, you felt like the Lord was going to do something through you. Maybe you were a teenager when that dream was spoken to you. Maybe, you know, you just kind of felt that desire. You had that internal, and nobody even knows about it because that dream is asleep inside of you, not even your spouse, maybe. You go to bed at night, and you go, oh, I still think of that. But then you start to process all the things that would acquire to happen, and you just start to talk yourself out of, no, I just think that's dead. I think that's asleep. I think it's not it. And somehow the dream has been lost. Again, I ask the question, What's been lost? I think Jesus wants to turn to us tonight and just ask you the question, what's been lost? And then here's the best news of all that Jesus wants you and I to know when you think about what's been lost over 2022, maybe over a couple of years, what's been lost. If you think about that, I think Jesus would say, do you remember Luke 15? Jesus made a statement a couple of chapters over in Luke 19. He says this, that the reason the Son of Man came, and he's speaking to his humanity sign. We've been in a series called Christ and Christmas, anchoring into a word called behold. I'll just unpack this for a second. And the first week we talk about, or the second week we talked about behold, a Son of Man and Son of God. Anytime in Scripture you see Son of Man, it's referencing his humanity. 
You see the Son of God, it's referencing his deity. So here he's saying the human, God human, became flesh among us, John chapter 1. He's saying the Son of Man. And he came for one reason, to seek and to save that which is lost. The Greek words for seek and save become really important to you and I. We see seek and save, seek and save. Help me unpack that. Well, you see the story in Luke 15 of what seeking looks like. The word seek actually means exactly what it means, to search for. But the word to save means to restore to complete health. We see the word save and go, are you saved? You know, help me unpack what does saved mean. I think for a lot of people that might even feel weird. What is saved, saved, am I saved, saved? The word save in Greek means to be restored to complete health. It's not referring to just your physical body, but it's also referencing to your soul, that your soul would be restored to health. I just want you to understand something in this. And when Jesus says, I came to seek and save that which was lost, here's what he's saying. I've come to search for those whose souls are lost. Your hope is lost. Your faith is lost. Your dreams are lost. Your purpose is lost. Oh, and by the way, you're also living in my house and you're still lost. Jesus wants those to understand that those who are outside the house he searches for and those who are inside the house he searches for and helps us understand that I have come for one reason, to seek and save all that which is lost. It becomes a very powerful and important moment in what we're about to do. On your seats, you see a grape and a piece of bread. That's going to be our communion elements. And the grape will represent simply uh, just the drink of the wine and then we'll also partake of the bread. If anybody has some in the back or can bring me some, that'd be great. One of our ushers or somebody can bring one. We're going to partake in that in just a minute, but hold on just, just for a second. I want to teach on something. Then we're going to sing a song. We'll partake in communion before we're dismissed. Just follow me on this, though. Look, look up here for just a minute. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. So I want you to follow me on this, though. This becomes really important that you understand communion, where it comes from. Excuse me on the microphone. So in Jewish culture, uh, where communion comes from, comes from this word, you know, this idea of sharing in a meal. I want you to follow me on this. This is really important in the teaching of this. Get this. Jesus says to us at a table, what's been lost? Son or daughter, what's been lost in 2022? What's been lost? What's been lost? I just want you to know I've come to seek and, and restore back all that's been lost. Now watch this. The reason we're going to partake in communion tonight is not because it's the church thing to do or it's the religious thing to do. That would be contrary to every reason why we partake in the Lord's Supper, why we share in this meal together. Here's what you need to understand about sharing in a meal when it comes to Jewish customs. In Judaism or in biblical times, you could go back, reach back into this. This is really what it meant. Anytime a share, somebody would share in a meal, a meal was a way of reconciling relationships. Here's what I mean by that. In Jewish culture, the way it works is if you have animosity towards somebody, offense towards someone, unforgiveness towards someone, something's been damaged, something's been broken, something's been lost in the relationship, you share a meal. And in sharing the meal, it's like saying, we're good here. In fact, this happens even in our culture today. People can share in a meal and over breaking bread with one another, all of a sudden a relationship can get restored. You know, a bond can come back together. It had great deep meaning in sharing with a meal with someone. 
And I just felt impressed upon my heart to partake in communion together because I felt like it was fitting for the talk about what's been lost because I think Jesus is saying, tonight I want to invite you to do something with me. I want to invite you to share in a meal. I want to invite you to reconcile something with me. I want to invite you to reconcile a relationship with me. And so tonight, I think Jesus is inviting us to the table, sharing in a meal, knowing that the reason that he came was to do just that. I've come to seek and save that which is lost. I've come to sit at a table with humanity, to share in a meal, to restore our relationship, but also to redeem back, restore back everything that's been taken from you so that you could live the life that I desire for you to live. It makes you think about sharing communion much differently than just taking a drink and eating a piece of bread. Of course, he says, take of this body, drink of this cup, do this in remembrance of me. But what he's saying to remember is, listen, and the band can come forward and we're gonna sing a song. But what he, but what he is saying is anchoring to this. When he says, do this in remembrance of me, he's not saying, just take of bread, remember just what I did. He's anchoring it into remember why it came. So that whenever you feel lost, you can remember there's an invitation to a table to dine with the king, the Lord of lords, the savior of the world, the light of the world, the one who came to seek and save all that's just lost. And he just simply sit at the table with me. And if you sit at the table with me, I'll remind you of who I am. Now tell me, son, tell me, daughter of mine, tell me, son, what's been lost? Because I've come to seek and save, restore back all that's been taken from you. And so he invites us tonight to share in a meal. So we're going to sing a song together. And as we do, I want to invite you to do something completely on your own when you feel uh, it's time to. I want to invite you to take the bread and take of the grape. At a time that you feel fit to do so. No instruction here. There's a degree of which I think sometimes when I lead it, it's great, it's nice, it's cool, but then sometimes I feel like it becomes a more of a religious duty. You're just doing it because I'm doing it and everybody else is doing it. Maybe tonight you don't even want to do it and you're just like, I don't know if I'm ready for the conversation yet. And you don't have to. In fact, Scripture would say before you partake in this Lord's Supper to examine yourself. Examine this relationship between you and Jesus who claimed to be Savior of the world, the great Redeemer, the great I Am. Jesus simply wants to invite you to ask a question. That's the reason why I believe you're here tonight. What's been lost? I've come to give you good news. The King is in the room. He is here. He is among us. And He can restore all things that have been stolen and taken by the enemy and he can restore hope and he can bring peace and he can bring joy and maybe it's just joy in the house of God maybe joy has just been ripped from you you don't find joy in much at all I think Jesus would simply say to you tonight as you partake in communion would you remember who I am I've come to seek and restore you I've come to redeem you come share in a meal with me be reminded of who I am. Let me put joy back into the relationship between us. If you've lost joy in your salvation, I want to give it back to you tonight. And so tonight, I want to invite you to partake in communion with us. We're going to sing a song, then I'll come back up and close this out. And again, you can stand, you can 
Neil, you can stay seated. We're going to sing a song called uh, His Name is Jesus. It's a song we've been anchoring into all year long, and it's just been a great song for our church family to sing. And so I invite you to sing this with us, and I'll come back up and dismiss us.
Today, Father, I pray for freedom over this church body. And Lord, there'd be a freedom in coming in faith and trusting in you as the Abba Father, the good Father. Lord, may the dream, may the purpose come back to life. Lord, you're the God who resurrects things that are dead. Nothing is impossible for you. We declare truth. And so, Father, I thank you that you're the one that redeems, the one that restores. We thank you for reconciliation. And tonight, God, I pray where people are crying for hope, for peace, for joy, for love in their marriage, passion and zeal, finances, uh, job, security, Lord, wherever there is things that are lost, Father, I pray that you would search the soul, examine our hearts, and tonight be a night of beginnings, not of ending. That we wouldn't say, see you just next year, but we'd say, Father, we see you again tonight. And he wants you to know that if you just give your life fully to him each and every day, he will restore all that's been lost. He will turn all things that were meant for evil and turn them for good. But it's for those only who love and are called according to his purpose. And so it's really about surrender to him daily. My encouragement to you is this, if you've had something that's been lost, get to know your Father in heaven who loves you, who searches for you, and he rejoices with angels in heaven when you return home. Father, we love you. We thank you. We've come to celebrate your name tonight, but not just tonight, tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, you are still king of kings, even beyond December the 24th, the 25th, the 26th. Your name continues to reign. And so, Jesus, we lift up your name. We shout your praise. We love you. We declare it. We give glory to you today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen.